0: This evening we'll be covering Spiritual Leadership, Chapters 17 and 18. Um, chapters 17 and 18. we We'll to start off with Chapter 17, of course. Test of leadish, Leadership. Test of Leadership. If you are called to be a leader, guess what? You're going to be tested. I'm going to be tested. Okay? Test now. Here's the good news. Tests are meant to let us succeed and not fail. In James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. That word patience means endurance. Oswald Sanders, the author of the book, quotes... Everyone entrusted with spiritual authority can expect tests, temptations, and trials along the way. As difficult and inconvenient as these tests may be, and they are difficult, they serve to purify and clarify leadership. How do you and I know where we stand with God until we've been tested? It's great that we say that we believe And we want to follow the Lord And so forth and so on But Do we really love the Lord? Okay That's going to come out in The test Five tests of leadership In chapter 17 There's five of them The first one is compromise Second is ambition Third the impossible situation Number four, failure. And number five, jealousy. First one, compromise. What does the word compromise mean? Potential danger or disgrace. Behavior contrary or opposite to God's character and against which he must respond. The first test of leadership is compromise. I don't know if you all remember the date of the late Dr. Walter Martin quoting, I believe that compromise is the face of Satan himself, end of quote. Oswald Sanders states that lowering the standards is always a backward step and compromise nearly always requires it. Remember the passage, a little bit of leaven will leaven the whole lump. See, today, in this era, compromise is rapid, running rapid in the church. But see, the God of Scripture, he's perfect, he is holy, there is no darkness in him at all. I know we like to use cliches. You know, gray area, sitting on the fence, but with God there is no gray area and there is no sitting on the fence Sin to God is an offense For the word says For all have fallen short of the glory of God The word all in the Greek means universal, means everyone has fallen short That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to reconcile himself unto us. Compromise. Psalm 119. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil. And they walk only in his paths. It is a joy to serve his Lord, to serve the Lord. His commandments, they're not a burden. His precepts, they're beautiful. Psalmist writes, There is joy. Joyful for are those who obey his laws. You want joy? Keep the word of God. In Numbers, let's talk about compromise. I started to paraphrase this, but I said, you know what? Uh, I'm just going ahead and read it. Um, A lot of people, maybe you have not had an opportunity to go through the Old Testament. So we have a little bit of time. Numbers chapter 13, uh, 25 through 32. I want to talk about compromise. Here's a situation you're probably familiar with. And they returned from spying out the land. And after 40 days, now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jesuitites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are all well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with them said, We are not able to go up against this people, against the people, excuse me, for they are stronger than we. And they they gave the children of Israel a bad report. Of the land which they had spied out. Saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Now imagine that you're Caleb. And you come back. Imagine speaking before a huge crowd. Only to be rejected because it is not politically correct. (laughs) It is not the popular opinion. You have to imagine that. That congregation, it was big. You're the only one. Include your family. Your friends, those whom you serve with, now they're your enemy. Much like today, I've been saved by the grace of God for over 20 years. The landscape here in America has radically changed. And as a result, it's affected the church. It shouldn't, but it has. Take, for example, the topic of homosexuality. Homosexuals. We don't like to talk about that. We don't like to talk about adultery anymore. Fornication. I'm not talking in a mean-spirited way, but we're afraid. Never mind that their soul hangs in the balance. God saved you and I for a purpose twofold, number one to glorify him how? by being proclamators ambassadors of the gospel how else are people going to know the Jesus of the bible unless we tell them what? the truth not mixed with the lie, not half truths. Because nowadays we're afraid of what they might say, afraid that we're going to get sued, etc, etc, etc. Compromise. Caleb was willing to take the unpopular stand to do as God had commanded. to be an effective leader when you go against the crowd, you, must be prepared. Brethren, you must be prepared. If we're in the latter days, we all would agree. Okay? When you walk out that door, when I walk out that door, our faith is going to be challenged. What are you going to do? It's Christmas, it's time to give thanks. Are you going to exercise your faith when your in-laws come by, when your outlaws come by, or are you going to keep quiet? That's your test. That's my test. Are we going to glorify God with our words and with our lives, or are we going to compromise? How, as a leader, and we are leaders, like my brother share, how, Are we to be prepared? Well, let's go back to scriptures. Number one, have the facts. Caleb had seen the land himself. Have the facts. What are your facts? What do you have? You have what you call the Bible. 66 books from Genesis to Revelation. And you have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. At the moment of salvation, God equipped you to do the work. The supernatural work of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. You have the facts. I have the facts. What else? Have the right attitude. Caleb trusted God's promise to give Israel the land. You and I, we trust that Jesus Christ, listen, He's already given us the victory. We don't have to pray about getting a victory in a situation. He's already given it to us. All we have to do is appropriate it. We have to take that leap of faith. Have the right attitude. New covenant believer, we are to love people to Jesus. We are to love them. And part of that, brethren, is giving them the truth. Giving your family members the truth. Your neighbors the truth. Your co-workers, you give them the truth. What else? You must be prepared. Be a man of faith. Be a man of faith. Caleb said, we are able to overcome it. I remember many times, I was in a situation, my wife and I, I was sharing with some of the brethren earlier, we both got laid off at the same time. (laughs) That was a tough time. And I told my wife, I said, you know what? The Lord will provide. He's going to take care of us. Now, when I said that, I didn't know how. And maybe even my faith wavered. I knew the right words to say. But I really, I had no choice. We had no choice but to trust the Lord. You're going to be tested. I'm going to be tested. But it's a good thing. Caleb was willing to take the unpopular stand to do as God commanded. Today, if you are a Christian, not a profession Christian, and you walk out that door, it's unpopular. But that's okay. Jesus Christ was unpopular in his day. That's why they hung him on a cross. Test of leadership. Now, a cautionary advice to those who are called to lead. Yeah, Pastor Barney, I'm a leader in my household on the job. Okay, that's great. Be encouraged, but be cautious. Number one, a majority opinion does not change the will of God. Well, honey, um, wife comes up for those of you married. I think we should go to this church, and the ninos and ninas want to go to that church, and blah, blah, blah. And we should watch this movie and go here for a vacation. Oh, whoa, whoa wait a minute. A majority opinion does not change the will of God. Now, I'm not saying we don't consider what our wives say. I didn't say that. Or what our children say. But you have been called to lead. What did the Lord tell you to do? See, oftentimes we forget that usually our decisions are based on comfort. Well, I like the way, you know, they have a youth ministry, and I like the way the pastor sounds, etc., 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 etc. Forgetting, forgetting our commission. You know what? God might have you go to a particular church, just so that along the way you stop by the gas station and you share the gospel with that person that's on the other side. I know that because it's happened to me. You got to look at it from a divine perspective. It's not about you or me in our comfort zone, it is about reaching the loss and making those divine appointments. There are men, women, and children right now that are destined for a crisis eternity. And God's going to put you and I in position to accomplish His will by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. But it's like Pastor Chuck said, you and I have to make ourselves available for God. I've shared the gospel in some of the most unpopular, uh, inconvenient places. From Palos Verdes... islands, on the plains you name it that's why I pray about okay where should I go to this market should I go here, maybe he wants me to talk to the cashier at Sam's Club I've met Thailand missionaries in the store, I've I've met Russians I've met all sorts of people I let the Lord order our steps you know there's a path for you and I and it's lit in this darkened world, we need a path that's lit. All we have to do is follow. A majority opinion does not change the will of God. Number two, boldness based on God's faithfulness is appropriate. I told my I'm a high school teacher. I teach teenagers. I have 130 of them. 130 rebels. okay. It's rough The other day this student He kind of pushed my button I got in my flesh a little bit I admit, Lord forgive me But if you do what I do You would have compassion Okay And I told him in a firm voice Do not mistake my kindness My meekness for weakness Young man Okay Because they will But he got the point Okay This was a time where Caleb had to be bold There's going to be a time where you're going to be the Lone Ranger It's just going to be you and the Lord Just like Joel His own wife Told him curse God And die Foolish woman <laughs> You better know the Lord. Listen, there's going to come a day where we're going to be accountable for the talents that God has given us. And we're going to stand before him. I'm going to stand before him. And we're going to have to give an account. And when we stand before him, it's going to be one-on-one. It's not the group plan, the PPO, the HMO, all the Harris's, no. Say, okay, the angels say, Next. <laughs> You better just just ensure that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Hey, angel, as long as Harris is in there, everything else is fine. We're going to give an account. I love it. I love the word of God. Because the word says, let God be true and every man a what? A liar. Point number three. Caution. Advice. For courage and faith to be effective they must go together with what words and actions I got the faith brother okay where's the action well I need to pray about it uh... wait a minute prayer is no substitute for action the Lord already told you what to do Where to go? The only thing left is to what? Do it. The word believe in the original language, the Greek, is a verb. And brethren, a verb is a what? Action. (laughs) Caleb obeyed the Lord without hesitation. He didn't go around... And get an opinion poll on the internet, a survey. God gave him the imperative, the command, and he did it. Numbers chapter 14 verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. So not only Caleb was blessed, but his entire family. This is a beautiful passage. The Lord singles out Caleb, calling him my servant. Imagine that. Elohim, Yahweh, calling Caleb his servant. Caleb was the main spokesman in the defense of the goodness of the land. And the surety of the character of God. There's victory in obedience. There's victory in obe- obedience. Numbers chapter 14 verse 24 in the New Living Translation. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. The character of God. He is faithful. He is just. And he has always, always kept his promises. The word covenant or testament means a promise. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We quote that. Well, it's in times where our faith is going to be tested where you and I are going to take that, take him at his word. Number two. Ambition, a desire for success. A strong feeling of wanting to be successful in life and achieve great things. Ambition. Psalms 147.10 He takes no pleasure in the strength of, of a horse or in human might. No, the Lord's delight is in those who fear Him and those who put their hope in His unfailing love. All great leaders face this test. They say, what do you mean? Ambition. Okay, let me explain. We spend much effort trying to sharpen our skills or increase our strength. There is nothing wrong with doing so, and in fact, our gifts can be used to glorify God. But, but when we use our skills with no regard for God, they are indeed worth little. It is our fear or our reverence and trust that God desires. When He has those, then He will use our skills and strengths in ways far greater than Than we can imagine. Pastor Richard. Has been going through a series. You know the Holy Spirit. Basically. We want to be led. By the Holy Spirit. We do not want to do ministry. In the flesh. In fact we don't want to do anything. In the flesh. We walk by faith. Not by Sight. That's trusting the Lord. Number three, the impossible situation. How does a leader face impossible situations? Let's take a look at King David. King David was in an impossible, I'm talking about an impossible situation. In 1 Samuel chapter 30 verses 1 through 6. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south in Ziglag and attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire. Verse 2 And had taken captive the women those their wives and those who were there from small to great they did not kill anyone but carried them away and went and, I'm sorry, and carried them away and went their way So David and his men were out fighting And while they were out fighting, Ziklag came in and took all their wives, their children, and everyone else that was left. So David and his men came to the city... They came back home. And there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. They cried. I would too. Verse 5. And David's two wives, and and the Jezre- Jezreelites, and Abigail, help me here, the widow of Nebel and the Carmelite had been taken captive. Verse 6. Now David was greatly what? Distressed. This is an impossible situation. For the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Put yourself in his position David and his right hand men Went out To fight We're talking to the death Willing to die for one another They come back Cities burnt to the ground Wives are taken, children, everything They mourn, okay, you should and now they're ready to kill him. What did David do? He didn't do anything. Like Much like Caleb. It was just David against everyone else. He had no one but the Lord. But look at that. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. What does it mean to be distressed, brethren? Distress, the strong emotional response that one experiences when pressed externally by enemies or internally by wrong decisions or passions. Another example will be Jacob's confrontation with Esau. Leaders, you're going to be tested, but there's a solution seek the Lord that's also in the New Testament remember, seek first the kingdom of God, then all these things will be added unto you, verse 8 then David asked the Lord, that's prayer should I chase after this band of raiders, you stop right there if I was in my flesh I would say wait a minute who, who did this, oh it was Ziklag, okay let's go let's go Let's take care of business right now. That's flesh. Even though David and his men had every right to go after their wives and their children and their possessions. Notice the humility here. He sought the Lord first. Will I catch them? And the Lord told him. Yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. Now, keep in mind, when we go to the Lord, when I go to the Lord, the Lord answers one of three ways. Yes, no, or wait. The Lord could have easily told King David, no. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Are we content when the Lord says no? Are we content when the Lord says no? See, oftentimes we go to the Lord in prayer with a preconceived answer of yes, much like children. When children want something, there you go. Sorry. They go to who? They go to mom first. Why? Because electricity takes the path of least resistance. And mom says, Uh, Barney, go ask your father. Well, that means no. I don't go ask him because that means no. (laughs) I don't even know what he's going to say. Okay? But that's not how we're supposed to go to God. When we go to God, you say, Lord, prepare my heart, prepare my mind to receive whatever you have for me. If you say no, I know it's for my benefit, even though I don't understand it. If you say wait... Then I will receive that answer. If you say yes, that's called humility. That's trust. Not when, okay, the Lord says no. Test this, okay. That's all right. And then we blame God, stop coming to church, stop reading our Bibles, we stop fellowshipping, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Don't you know that every gift from God is perfect? And everything that God is going to give us, everything, is for our good. And better yet, it's going to glorify Him. The Lord will never ever give us something or someone that will hinder our relationship with Him. Remember that. Remember that. So if He's giving you a job, a spouse, or a raise, or whatever, and you ask for it in faith... It's going to glorify God. That relationship is going to glorify God. But on the flip side, if we get ahead of God, and we make our decisions in the flesh, we come afterwards and we ask God to bless it. I have news for you. God does not bless mess. He doesn't. And you and I are going to find that out. Just give it a little bit of time. You know what? (laughs) This was not of the Lord. If this was of the Lord, brother or sister, we wouldn't be having this this conversation. We wouldn't be counseling. But you said it was of the Lord. You told everyone, this was of the Lord. (laughs) Feliz Navidad. Number four, failure. Failure. Oswald Sanders states, Most Bible characters meant failure and survived, even when the failure was immense. Those that were restored to leadership again refused to lie in the dust and regret their tragedy. All great leaders face this test. But Paul writes, In summation in New Testament. Brethren, leaders, we are to forget the past and pursue Christ. When we fellowship, when we get together, it's not time to talk about the past and our failures. As far as God is concerned, it's done. It's in the past. We move forward. If we're not careful, if I'm not careful... Going back to the past will rob us of our future blessings. How? Because then, now all of a sudden, that guilt comes in. Oh, I'm not worthy. I wish I could have, should have, and it's just a spiral downward. Don't you forget that the Lord, He forgives, He is merciful, He is gracious. Forget the past and pursue Christ. In fact, their failure led to a greater understanding of God's grace. They came to know God of the second chance, sometimes third and fourth. That's the God that we serve. We move forward. And when we fail, now, okay, we have to do our part. Okay, we learn from our mistakes, and we learn, listen, permanently. We learn permanently. Not this back and forth, oh brother, pray for me, I I did again, I did again, I did again. Well, wait a minute, stop. Stop. I tell you what, an incentive, at least in my life, an incentive for getting it right, okay, when the tests come, I know that I have to go through it again until I pass it. It's just like school. Until you pass that bar exam, you're not going to become a lawyer. If you fail, you have to take it again. Well, same thing spiritually. You will not move to the next level until you pass that test. And, you know, frankly, there's some tests I just choose not to go through again. I say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving me the victory. You know, I praise you. Now it's time to move on from that chapter. I do not want to visit that again. So now just think about that. You fail. You got to go through it again. And you're going to go through it. It might be... A year from now, 5 years, 10, 20 years, but you're going to go through. But it's for your spiritual benefit. Psalms 42, 5, 6. Why am I discouraged? Why are you discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Ah, Here's what I will do. I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged. But, there's that but word again I will remember you even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mizar. I will put you will put your hope in God, not in man, not in your boss not in your spouse, your neighbor your relatives, you will put your hope in who? God He is the first, He is the last He is the great I am He is sovereign. He is in control of all things. Therefore, He's in control of my situation. He's in control of your situation. And He's the only one that is going to see you through. Something about trials that I've learned is when we pray, God is going to help us. You pray that God, Lord, help me get through the trial. Not around the trial. Ours is to go through the fire, not around it. Because if we go around it, it has no spiritual benefit. Would I have chosen this path for my life? No. Them trials are painful. But they're good because some trials in my life were so painful. You know what? I'm never going to go back in that area again. Never, ever, ever. Never. Never. He put me down so hard, I, I haven't forgotten. It's like Abraham, remember, you know, the angel touched his hip. Hit that little limp. I have a little limp. Okay, you can't see it, but it's a reminder. Barney, don't you go in that area. You just leave it alone. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And I just move on. That's because he loves me. He loves you. Just like you love your children, don't you? Son, daughter, do not go in the street. But dad, do not go in the street. Comprende? Yes, dad. Okay. Have a seat. (laughs) Failure. Failure. Failure in leadership is something in America that we try to avoid like the plague. <laughs> Why? Why? Because it paralyzes us. You know, we're supposed to be men. Macho. I got this. We're convinced that failure is fatal. But the word of God says, it is not. Failure is not. The world says that. But the God that you and I serve, he says, no, it's not. Learn from your mistakes. I learn from my mistakes permanently. Last one, number five, jealousy. Oswald Stan- Sanders states again, most leaders at some time face the problem of jealous of a jealous rival. Moses encountered that test many times, many times. You read The Life of Moses... Man, he had it rough. He had it rough. That congregation, those people gave him Hades. Just read the account. It it, it was hard. I I don't know what I would have done in his situation. I probably would have struck the rock too. I probably would have kicked it over. (laughs) People, you rebels... My goodness, he had to have the Lord had to be with him. In this next case, it happened to be, listen, it had to be Joshua. Again, his right hand man. First, it was Korah and his clan. Now it's Joshua. you Imagine jealousy. But check it out, Numbers chapter eleven. So Moses went out and told the people. What the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. And then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him. And he took of the spirit that was on him and put the spirit on the 70 elders. When the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not do so again. However, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad had remained in the camp they were listed among the elders but did not go out to the tent yet the spirit also rested on them and they prophesied in the camp these two men that were left behind prophesied like the other seventy a young man ran and told Moses Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp Joshua, there he is, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. <laughs> but Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. That's beautiful. Joshua was very loyal to Moses. And he was young too. You know? So give him a little grace. And that's wonderful. But even what's more wonderful is that the revelation that there wasn't a jealous bone in Moses' body. Moses was not threatened by these other 70 elders. Moving right along chapter 18 the art of delegation the art of delegation one aspect of leadership is to recognize the special abilities and limitations of others combined with the ability to fit each one into the job where he or she will do the best as leaders we need the Holy Spirit and brethren listen as leaders we don't always get it right it's like Pastor Richard says: We got to take a chance on people. We try, you know. We're, we're limited because we're in these in these fallen bodies. We have the Holy Spirit, and we sometimes the Lord doesn't reveal this. You know, is that the person? Should this be the one? We don't know. We have the Word of God. We have His Spirit, and that's all we can go by. Delegation. Let's look at an example in the Book of Exodus, chapter eighteen. Um, it's kind of lengthy, but uh, I think it's good. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat and judged the people, and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, What is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you, why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, "...because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I make known the statutes of God and His laws." So Moses' father-in-law said to him, "...the thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out, for this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself." listen now to my voice I will give you counsel and God will be with you and he's saying it lovingly he's not, again he's not mean spirited stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God and you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge." So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure. And all this people will also go to their place in peace. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Again, another characteristic of Moses... He's humble. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. Moses was spending so much time and energy hearing the disputes among the Hebrews that he could not get to the other important work. Jethro suggested that Moses delegate most of this work to others and focus his efforts on jobs only he could do. Now what can we learn from this? Leaders? People in positions of leadership sometimes feel they they are the only ones who can do necessary tasks. But others are capable of handling part of the load. Delegation relieve Moses' stress and improve the quality of the government. Proper delegation can multiply your effectiveness while giving others a chance to grow. And I re- end a quote, I really like that part at the end. Giving others a chance to grow. My wife and I, were sent out come alongside Pastor Richard from Calvary Chapel La Mirada. Prior to that, I received, my, both of us, a lot of good counsel. Good counsel. Uh, one of them was, you know what, brethren, when you come, on, come alongside a pastor, do not try to work out your vision through that ministry. Your mission is to hold his arms up in prayer and in service. Another one was, you know what, Brother Barney? Work yourself out of a job. Work yourself out of a job. The Bible teaches that we are to esteem others higher than ourselves. Everything that I have, everything that God has given me, I give to others. If it's Bibles, computer software, if it's prayer, whatever it is, I want you to run harder and faster than me. That's the objective. That's what we're commanded to do. Build up one another. That glorifies God. That's part of the Great Commission. But see, there's hindrances. To delegation. One of them is some leaders feel threatened by brilliant subordinates or young people and therefore are reluctant to delegate authority. This is true, it happens. Listen, and I say this with all humility if you can do the job better than me, by all means, take it. I have no problems with that take it and run brother take it and run sister I mean run I also recognize hey I'm getting older physically and mentally I cannot do what I used to do and as a leader not only should I delegate but I have an obligation to pass the baton on to the next generation I watch a lot of professional sports Primarily football and basketball. And this especially happens to star athletes. They have a difficult time acknowledging that, hey, you know what? They're not, they cannot play or perform the way they used to. So, they either bring the team down or they put the the whole team in an awkward position. They just have a hard time letting go of the reins. I have, listen, here, we have no problems with that. If you prayed about this certain ministry, whatever, the Lord's put upon your heart, brother, here, run. That's what the Bible teaches. What else? How is a younger leader to gain experience unless he or she has been delegated both the responsibility and authority for the task? How are the young people going to learn unless you give them an opportunity? How? I praise God. I thank God. God is good. Listen, I've been praying for. I pray for a number of ministry, sound ministry, youth, hospitality missions because I've been a part of those, and I've been praying for the sound ministry. Uh, This young man came up to me about four or five weeks ago. said, Pastor Barney, I have an interest in sound ministry. I know Lord put that upon his heart because we don't announce it. We didn't announce it. And so Sunday, I had a chance. He came up to me again and I had a chance to meet his mom. And it was beautiful. And so we had a little short meeting. I said, Brother Bob, here's your apprentice. It was beautiful. Love it. I love it up there, Brother James up in media. It was just a beautiful sight to see him teaching his son. It was beautiful. Beautiful. And then enjoying it. Wednesday night, it was beautiful again. Once again, had opportunity to worship with the small children. It was awesome. To see young men in there coming alongside in the children's ministry, just worshiping, seeing the kids. It is beautiful. Then when I was down there, I went over there to Unity high school. <laughs> Worship some more. <laughs> it's beautiful. More young people. It is beautiful in God's sight. Esteeming others higher than yourselves. And I'm watching this happen. You know, sometimes brother, leaders, it's just beautiful to sit and watch God work. More than that, answer your prayers. I love it. Then after that we had a missions meeting. Guess what? More young people going to Mexico. Some of them are known for like eight, nine, ten years. Beautiful. You talk about warming the heart. I know God is with Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. I do know that. I don't know a lot of things, but I know He is with us and He is working through this body. If leaders we allow Him to work. Allow the Holy Spirit to do His good and perfect will in each and every one of our lives. And you know, when He does that work, we'll all be blessed. And more times than often, the things that the Holy Spirit will have us to do is contrary, is awkward. He takes us out of our comfort zone. It's not according to our plan. But it's his plan. Allow the younger people to, you know, rise up. Pass that baton. Number three, given the chance, the younger person may do it better because he or she is better able to fill the pulse of contemporary life. Oh, I know that's so true because I'm a high school teacher. Do you realize if you're in your 40s or 50s, do you realize the age gap between you and that high school generation? You're talking about 20, 30 years. I have news for you. They do not think the way you do. They do not dress the way you do. They do not listen or worship the way you do. They have a totally different lifestyle. It's not wrong, it's not sinful, but it's just different. Accept that, embrace that. They don't listen to the type of music you do. That's fine. They come to church, they're worshiping the Lord. Praise God for that. You know, I'm a high school teacher, I teach automotive. I've been teaching it for about seven, eight years, uh, it's a blessing. I had a 68 Pontiac Firebird, fully restored, fully restored. I mean, I rebuilt the engine, everything. But when I became a teacher, I sold it. You say, why? Because that young generation cannot relate to a 68 Pontiac Firebird, to Chevys and Hot Rods. They cannot relate to that. And I purchased a 350Z And you should have seen their eyes Just lit up Different generation That's why Paul says I became all things to all men That I might win some The only reason I have an edge On high school Because I'm around them all the time 40-50 hours a week So I know their behavior I know their likes or dislikes. But as a leader, you have to recognize that. You have to recognize that even in your own children. Don't raise them according to the way you were raised. That's not fair. God loves diversity. Each and every one of us is unique. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? They have different gifts, different talents. Allow them to explore and to use the talents that God gave them. Don't assert the Holy Spirit. Just because I like sports, I don't have to put that on my kids. If they like it, fine. If they don't like it, fine. The same thing here in the fellowship. Allow them to worship, to praise the Lord the way He has made them. Number four. I'm sorry, it should be four. need to go back to school. (laughs) See? Subordinates feel better when they feel sure of the leader's support, whether a given project succeeds or fails, so long as they have acted within the bounds of their assignment. Listen, don't when you delegate, don't threaten them. Okay, if you fail, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, Allow that, them that freedom. And don't micromanage them. You know, take a peek every now and then, but just allow them to go. And when they do fail, listen, when they come to you, it's going to be, you know, with the right attitude. It's just like when your children fail. You know what, Daddy? I'm sorry. You want to be approachable as leaders. Okay. These are God's children. Oh, wrong button. Ooh. Okay. There's 5. Failure to make provision for the succession of leadership has spelled ruin for many missions and churches. That is especially true in the San Gabriel Valley. Failure to pass that baton, failure to raise up others have, has left many churches dry and barren the leaders become old they retire and there's a gap and there arose a generation that knew not the Lord as a leader it's our responsibility to raise up that next generation they're going to fail just like you and I fail Give them a chance. Number six, it is a big mistake to assume more duties than we can discharge. There is no virtue in doing more than our share of the work. If we succumb to human persuasion and take on more than we should, God will accept no responsibility for the outcome. Now, I'll be the first one to admit, I've experienced this, and boy did I learn. Notice keywords, persuasion. Oh, but Pastor Barney, we really want you to come. We really want you to do this. Da, 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 da. Now, I should have said no. I remember my mentor telling me, I remember. He says, Barney, the hardest part of ministry is saying no. It's hard, it is difficult. Especially when you're faced with all these decisions. You know, I have to make a lot of decisions. Which one did I go to? Where where should I go? But I'm learning, just like you. I am learning. Now, leaders, brethren, there are some things, however, and I know I'm busy and leadership here is busy. There are some things, though, here in this fellowship that have to be done. Period. It just has to be done. But that's a joy. Saturday, you know, we sing that song. We prepare the way. We prepare the way. Well, that's what happens here on Saturday. Every Saturday, there's preparations. Spent four hours, me and another brother. Saturday morning, hey brother, eight o'clock. Okay, we prepare. Just like in the Old Testament, we prepare. Sundays and Wednesdays, preparation during the week, rain or shine, has to be done. It needs to be done. So that the end of the service, when that altar call is made, those hands go up, and men, women, and children accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's what it's about. We prepare the sanctuary. That must be done. That's a non-negotiable. This is God's house. It takes priority over my house. Wednesday evening, and I'll close. I came in. Hey, they need you over in unit A. So, okay. I kind of continue to fellowship. Hey, they need you over to unit A. Okay. So, went over there, they had some technical difficulties, it was a children's ministry, but you know what, had a blessed time. And uh, there's another brother there, it was his first time, Uh, another sister, she was over there helping. It was just beautiful to see God's people come together. But see, then, though, I went home and I, I thought about something. And God just kind of just showed me. All for, and, and, oh, and let me back up. And then they were saying, yeah, there's another sister. She's going to come over and be part of the children's ministry. Da, da. And I know this sister. I said, wow, she's going on mission trips and this and that. But wait a minute. All of those people over there on Wednesday night, they're already serving. These men and women are already going far and beyond. I know Pastor Richard's been announcing and others that, hey, we need servants in the children's ministry. And so my whole point is this. Yes, we love to delegate, but we need someone to delegate it to. So pray that the Lord will send forth more laborers into the vineyard. I'm thinking, wait a minute, these brothers and sisters are already going You know, giving 110%. It's like, wow. I mean, it's great that we were there, but I'm thinking, wait a minute. God, I know, has put upon someone else's heart. And again, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. He has already called people to step up, but we have not risen to the occasion. And so that's why sometimes, I know for myself and others, I seem, quote, unquote, busy. Because, okay, it has to be done. When this study is over, you know, say, hey, break bread and go our separate ways. Well, everything has to be shut down. Same thing on Sunday. Everything has to be secured. Someone has to do it. So, and again, I'm not putting, listen, don't take it the wrong way. But you have to understand, or I'm sure you do understand, there is a lot, and I say a lot, that goes behind the scenes a lot and I'm not trying to put myself or others on a pedestal it's just true I don't like to say that well why are you so I really don't want to say it because it kind of makes me feel oh I'm holier than I that's not the point it's just okay this needs to be done this person's in intensive care they need to be ministered to this couple over here, they're having difficulty with kids. They need to be ministered to. Again, I'll go back to what Pastor Tuck said. Make yourselves available for God. As one pastor said many years ago, many people spend an entire lifetime getting ready to serve God. I know when I hit 45, that was about... Almost eight nine years ago. That was it. Because now that I'm older, and, and King David talks about the brevity of life, I uh, make hospital visits and I give funerals. And so I'm realizing, you know what? I'm not. Prom- you know, tomorrow's not promised. So I'm gonna go all out for the Lord. I do not want to live my life with regrets. Well, I should, have, I should have done this, whatever. So that changed my whole As I'm getting older, I'm hearing these reports. You know what? Life is short. It's nothing but a vapor. It just passes away. Paul talks about we should redeem the time. We're just passing through. I understand that now in my 50s. Oh, do I understand it. It's like Jesus said when he was a teenager, his mom, his parents were looking for him. What did he say? What was his response? I got to be about my father's business. His business. Now listen, praise God. You all go ahead. You fellowship. You go here. You go there. That's great. You do that. That's wonderful. Right ahead. That's Whatever the Lord's put upon your heart, we're not going to be legalistic. But the Lord has put the lost on my heart. That's my calling. Isn't that why Christ came? He didn't come to make our marriages better. That's not why He came. He didn't come to give us long lives here on earth, to give us a mate, niños and niñas. That's not why He came. You won't find that in the Bible. He came to seek those that were lost. The Bible that you have in your lap is a book of redemption. When you read the Bible, when you study Bible, study your Bible. I'm sure most of you have. From Genesis to Revelation, you get a panoramic view of God. You get a proper perspective You see how holy he is in the book of Leviticus. He's gracious, he's merciful, he's loving, but yet he's also a judge. And in closing, if you pray and ask God to give you that desire to read his word... To serve or to minister, and I'm sure many of you are. You know what? He'll do that. If it's sincere, he will honor that request. Why? Because that prayer request brings him glory. I love this fellowship. I do. I have so much fun, so much joy serving with the brethren. We're out, we're sharing, we're doing this, we're taking care of the Lord. It is the Christian life. I love it and I understand now. I didn't understand it when I was you know, young in the Lord, but I love it. I love being here. My wife loves being here. I love the brethren. I love the family. I just love this fellowship. And to, most of all, to see God work. And it's my desire to see us all one day face to face in glory but in the meantime my pastor Richard said see if I can get it right be kingdom minded and what? what's the other part spirit led kingdom minded spirit led that sums up everything the purposes you know every Sunday he reads the bulletin when you walk out in fellowship hall there's Bible studies Bible ministry school, everything else you know, conferences the whole point listen, the church is here for three purposes three purposes keep it real simple number one, glorify God that's the purpose of the church, every ministry should glorify God number two, to edify that is to build you up and number three, what is it? So that you can go out and do ministry. Ministry to the lost. That is it. Every ministry here should do one, if not all, of those things. That's the purpose. In its simplest form. Okay, so the purpose of this Bible study is to build us up, to equip us, to get us back on track. Okay? Okay. Praise God. You know, we're back on track. Our, you know, our lives are together. We've got a proper focus. But it doesn't stop there. Now, it equips us to go back out. And to do the work of an evangelist. Sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for having mercy upon our wretched souls. Lord, it is you, Father, that gave us the faith, gave us a measure of faith to believe the gospel. And Father, it's my prayer that the words shared this evening will fall upon good soil and bring forth fruit in our lives. And Father, I pray for each and every one of these brethren here, including myself, that you would help us to walk by faith and not by sight. And Lord, that when we are challenged, when our faith is challenged, that you would give us a word in due season. And may our words, Heavenly Father, be seasoned with salt. May we be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. Father, help us to live in such a way that brings you glory. Lord, I pray for my brethren. That you would give us ears to hear that still small voice of your Holy Spirit. Father, we don't know where to go. We don't know what to do, except that you should guide us and lead us. And so, Father, sometimes that voice, we can't hear it because of all the, the, the world. And it's being imposed on us. Every time we turn on the TV, every time we walk in the mall, Lord, that world just wants to drown out the voice of that spirit. But Lord, we thank you for allowing us to come together this evening so that we can hear you clearly. Oh, how beautiful you are. How wonderful are your precepts, Lord. Father, give us that desire to embrace them, to love them, to meditate upon them. Lord, I pray that you would Bless our food, that you would bless our time of fellowship together, Lord. And Father, I also pray for uh, the families, those that do not know you, co-workers. Lord God, that we would simply be a light and we would be prepared to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord. We praise you. And we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.